Hey guys, welcome back to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and it has been a little while since I've released an episode. I am taking little breaks in between the episodes because when I release an episode, I want it to be a really great episode. I don't want to release episodes that are half-ass, and that's where I'm at right now. I am not in a I'm not in a phase of my life where I want to do like hyper productivity and and be a slave to that life because I am in a deep deep state of healing and I'm in a deep state of identity um reclamation and mindset shifts and I'm really enjoying my life right now and I think when we are able to do a lot of nervous system healing work and trauma healing work, it's only natural to feel kind of like your your voice is it's not it's not that my voice is not wanting to be heard, but I just need a break from I need a break from expressing sometimes and I think a lot of the work that I'm doing right now with trauma healing and nervous system healing is coming from a place of stillness, a place of turning inwards, a place of figuring out what my body needs and yeah the body and somatic work is something that I've been really really focusing on and that ties in with what today's episode is about. I was able to bring on Deanna Schober on the podcast, and I found her because I was binge listening to her podcast, Fitness and Sushi, um, which is one of my favorite podcasts about kind of mindset around food and body and food behaviors and eating behaviors. Um, she has a deep history of disordered eating and the binge restrict cycle, which is what this episode is all about. And it got to the point where I was listening to like maybe 10 episodes of the fitness and sushi podcast a day. And I had so many questions for her and I just really wanted to connect with her. So I reached out to her and I had her on my podcast. And this episode is probably one of my favorite episodes where we talk about eating disorders, disordered eating, body image, food behaviors, obviously restriction, over-exercise. We talk about all different types of cycles that come with disordered eating. And it was one of the most healing conversations that I've had on my podcast. I mean, we really we really went deep and instead of just having like a conversation about like what we've been through, we talk about the actual way that the mind can shift out of these these stories and these deprivation cycles and you know, when you're stuck and you're caught in the binge restrict cycle, it's really hard to get out of it. Um, so we talk about more of like the energy around what it feels like to be in an eating disorder and how to shift that energy and how to transform that energy and how to get out of these patterns. And a lot of it is somatic. A lot of it is physical. A lot of it is emotional. A lot of it is understanding why we're doing the behaviors that we're doing and why 
why it's manifesting in those ways and it's usually related to trauma and emotions and the way that we feel in our body like the somatic feelings that we're getting in our body will drive us to go do these behaviors like binge eating or overeating or emotional eating and we talk about um, the differences of all of those because in diet culture and wellness culture on Instagram and TikTok and wherever else you get your wellness information from, emotional eating, overeating, binge eating, food addiction, sugar addiction, we actually talk about all of these things in this episode. And um, yeah, I, I want to have her on again, but like this episode is packed full of amazing, amazing things that are going to help Whoever's listening right now, even if you don't have an eating disorder, even if you're not caught in a disordered eating habit or pattern, if there's a behavior that you are working through, we're talking about energy and emotions a lot in this episode. So um, yeah, I, I really hope it helps you even if you don't have an eating disorder, but it is geared towards folks with an eating disorder. So a little bit of a trigger warning. We do um, get pretty vulnerable and detailed with, you know, different things that we've been through. I talk about my experiences with over-exercising and the binge restrict and my eating disorder um, history, which I don't really talk about too much on Instagram. Um, I've been shifting away from Instagram more and more lately. Um, I do talk about my mental health issues on Instagram and microdosing and mushrooms, but I, you know... I just haven't been called to do these like in-depth posts on Instagram because with the algorithm, I really just don't even think it's worth it. It's worth my time. That's why I'd rather put a lot of helpful and useful and tactical ways to heal in a podcast episode where, you know, it can actually be used into some sort of action, and um, Deanna's really awesome at speaking and connecting, and she's also neurodivergent, so she has experience talking with neurodivergent people and living a neurodivergent life. She has um, a neurodivergent son, and her partner, her her husband, Tony, is neurodivergent, so um, her and Tony host the podcast Fitness and Sushi. They are fucking awesome. Go listen to their their episodes. I mean, they it's it's incredible how how easy they make how easy of a listen it is and how pungent and tactical it is. Um, they are amazing coaches. I actually had a one on one coaching call with Deanna as well. So if you're interested in that, you can um, get a free one on one coaching call with her to see if she matches your energy and if you are really needing a coach I highly recommend it she she helped me get out of a really weird um stuck cycle mindset that I was in and since I had that one-on-one call with her um I really I really 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 truly did feel a shift and it's it's been like maybe three weeks since that call and I've made a lot of progress um, with my behaviors, with just like feeling more at ease, feeling more peaceful around food, having less shame and guilt, which we talk a lot about in this episode, about how releasing the shame and the guilt is a big part of actually relinquishing the 
the heaviness of the eating disorder and how to move through that and how to move forward through these emotions and physical somatic ways to connect to the body and to heal and to get out of those survival mode, fight or flight, you know, like high, highly reactive states. Like when we're emotionally dysregulated, it's just so, so hard to get out of those behaviors. So I'm going to stop rambling. This episode is fucking incredible. I hope you, I hope you enjoy it. I hope it helps you and we will connect soon. Hey, Deanna. So I am really excited to have you on the podcast. Um, I've learned so much from you and your podcast, Fitness and Sushi. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to talk with you. Yeah. So I, I've learned a lot from your podcast about emotions and eating and habits and uh, a lot about the binge and restrict cycle. So I really want to talk about the nitty gritty when it comes to habits and behaviors and disordered eating and how to get out of that and how to change our habits. And, you know, you are just, you've been through it all. And I feel like I'd love to start the conversation by hearing how the binge restrict cycle showed up in your life and like how it looked, how it felt and what was going on and what that binge restrict cycle did. And let's just start there. Okay. Okay. So let's take it back to when I was about 14 years old and it was sometime around uh, the age of 14 that I got my first taste of what the binge restrict cycle felt like. Um, it was right before I started high school and I was going to a brand new school with no one that I knew. And I had joined the drill team and we were supposed to be getting on the scale, um, on a regular basis to make sure that we were staying within a certain weight range. And so leading up to this all summer long, I think it was a, I think it was a coping skill for me and my anxiety, Um, I started to want to control my body. And so I started to restrict and I started eating less and I started skipping meals um, and just gradually eating less and less until um, it was, you know, really dipping into an eating disorder. Um, And then I would find myself eating an entire pizza after a couple of weeks of that. Um, And so that's, I mean, I was 14. I had no idea what was going on. I knew that something was not right, but also literally every girl that I knew was dealing with some form of what was happening with me. It was really, really common. My entire life, I have been going through the binge restrict cycle and literally didn't realize that there was even a problem with it, that there was something wrong with it until the last 10 years. Um, as you know, I can, well, let me get to that. So we, um, it, it started in high school. It went throughout my twenties. Um, I had three children when I was in my twenties and my early thirties and the fourth one, when I was 35 and it was every time I had a baby binge restrict cycle where I would try to diet down and restrict myself so I could lose weight. And then I would rebound from that and gain all that weight back. And it was just this like nonstop, never ending cycle that me, 
all my friends were going through. My mom was going through it. My grandmother, everyone. So I didn't think anything weird about it at all. Um, finally, um, about after my third child and before my fourth, when I was going through a divorce, um, I divorced my first husband sometime around my 30th birthday and, um, met my current husband who is now, uh, as you know, the co-host of the fitness and sushi podcast with me and my, uh, co-founder of our business built daily. And he, and I met, um, when I was a young single mom, he was really into bodybuilding and he had been since he was 12 years old and he didn't like get on stage or compete or anything like that, but he was just into that whole lifestyle of like chicken and broccoli for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because you got to get ripped and, um, looking at fitspiration and trying all sorts of things like intermittent fasting. Like we were doing intermittent fasting 13, 14 years ago when we first met, like before anybody had ever heard about it. Yeah. It's crazy. And and just to caveat just for one second, um, to whoever's listening, um, Tony also has gone through binge eating disorder and he, and he talks in depth on your podcast about it. So, um, yeah, it's really refreshing to hear a, a man's perspective on binge eating as well. So, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sharing any like secrets here. (laughs) He's very open. He's, he's very open about his struggle with body image. I mean, it started when he was 12. Um, so both of us, we had that in common. And I think it's one of the reasons why we gravitated to each other, but we definitely gravitated to each other at a point in our lives where we were both really, really disordered and really sick. Um, he was so you were, going, you were trapped in the binge restrict cycle when you met him. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was for me at that point, it was yo-yo dieting for me. It's always been more restriction. It like restriction mm-hmm. is where I usually live. Me too. Um, and yeah. And then emotional eating would, um, put, I would put weight back on and then I would restrict it back off. But restriction has always been something that I'm more comfortable with. So when I met him, I would never forget. We went on our very first trip together ever. He took me to New York and we would go to breakfast and he would order everything on the menu, like cake and <laughs> for, for breakfast. And I was just like, wow, this guy really knows how to live. I mean, I just didn't know how to interpret it. Um, but he, uh, when we first met, he had been kind of, um, what he called leaning out. So, um, he was leaning out and then we, we went on this trip and he just like lost his mind and was binging the whole trip. And it was, um, at first I just didn't know what to make of it. I mean, he seemed like he had figured out a way to live this like lifestyle and also enjoy food. (laughs) So I was like, okay. Um, but also on some level I knew that it was a problem because it was just really extreme. And then, um, the longer time went on, the more extreme it got, especially for him, he was at a place where he would be able to get really lean and do these, these hard and fast diets. And then he would gain 30 pounds in a month, like literally a pound a day eating 10,000 calories up to 10,000 calories every day because he would um, go to the store and load up on food and it would just be this downfall. And that's when I knew that something was very wrong, at least with in his world. And I could also see that there was the same kind of thing going on with me, but not to the same degree, but, you know, in that same arena, it was all, it all felt very related. 
Yeah. So that's how it all started for us. And that's where we met. We met in the throes of this. My eating disorder got worse when I met him. It um, turned into orthorexia um, to where I was obsessed with healthy eating, obsessed with exercise, wouldn't miss it. Even when I was on um, a medication that my doctor was like, you cannot do intense exercise. And I couldn't stop myself. I was compulsive with it. And um, it was really really unhealthy. I recognize now so many things, you know, looking back that it was a way for me to cope with intense things that were going on back then. And the transition of divorce to a new relationship and being a single mom. And my dad had a brain tumor. I I understand now why it was so intensified, but back then Mm -hmm. it was just really scary. It was really scary. Yeah. And that's, it's, it it is a way to cope and control when your life is chaotic and out of, out of order eating disorders, um, are a way to find order in the chaos, Mm. you know? Yes. Um, and like that energy of that energy of whether you want to call it yo-yo dieting or extreme dieting or binge restrict, whatever anybody wants to call it, there's an energy that comes with it that is chaotic and frantic Mm -hmm. and overwhelming and, even though we're using those strategies or, you know, behaviors to find control, we feel out of control, you know, because in the moments of control or the phases of control where we're restricting, well, you know, if that's, if that's what the control and the the good part is or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. there comes that pendulum swing is what, what you, uh, the words that you use a lot on your podcast is that pendulum swing. And it makes sense. It's like, and not for everyone, you know, for me, um, I had, you know, severe anorexia in, in high school. I didn't, I didn't have any of those binges, you know, or else I wouldn't have been admitted into a hospital. And, you know, so like it, it doesn't happen for everyone, but I will say after that experience and after going through treatment, yes, my eating disorder, um, evolved into binge eating, bulimia, overeating, emotional eating, whatever you want to call it, alcohol, drugs, all of it. So yeah, that pendulum did swing into another direction. And then, and then, um, and then it kind of swung into the, a new, a new shape of an eating disorder as orthorexia and then restriction again. So it's never just one thing forever. I think that's what people don't realize is that like, you could be you could have orthorexia for many years. You can have anorexia for many years, and then you can full blown the whole eating disorder can change. Um, oh, yeah, you can have many different eating disorders your entire life. It, it 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 honestly just molds with your life and your environment. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd love to kind of talk about how how you coach people and, and what you, you and Tony talk a lot about on the podcast is permission-based eating. And I guess before we get into that, um, because that's a huge part of getting out of the binge restrict cycle, can we kind of talk about the difference between emotional eating, overeating, boredom eating, and numbing out in reference to restriction because I think mm-hmm. restriction is very linked to those and like those are all terms that people hear oh emotional eating and overeating or I'm a food addict you know I'm a sugar mm-hmm. addict there's a lot mm-hmm. of self-proclaimed food addicts in yep. the disordered eating space and I think 
it comes from this fear of food, just fear of food and just fear of gaining weight and fear of getting out of control. So I'd love to talk about emotional eating, overeating, boredom eating, and and uh, how that really relates and correlates to the restriction. And then we can talk about how to break free from it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I definitely thought that I was addicted to food. I mean, I think that that when you're you you talk about the chaos and the frenetic mm-hmm. energy around that life, that's how it felt. When I think back to that time, it was just this daily roller coaster. And you are trying to understand it. And so you're like, well, this feels like alcohol addiction would feel, or this feels like because there is some kind of level of addiction to it, um, because you're because all addiction really there, you know, of course it's multifaceted and addiction has a genetic, um, component, environmental component. There's so many layers to it, but a lot of addiction is just running away from trauma or feelings or cope, you know, coping in the best way that you can figure out how to. And so you're trying, you're always trying to label it. I'm, I, I thought I was addicted to food. I thought, you know, I act so crazy with food that I must be addicted to it. I thought I was addicted to sugar and did label myself as that. Um, the biggest thing that I have learned through my own experience, through Tony's experience, through coaching, we've coached, we've been coaching for 10 plus years now. Um, and helping people through this process and just anecdotal, what I have seen is that 90% of what people used to label as emotional eating, once they release restriction and, regulate themselves on a biological level. So actually feeding themselves enough food that their body needs, and then also releasing restriction, um, and, and stopping deprivation, depriving yourself of the foods that you really want and feeling like you're deprived all the time. When you, when you take care of those two things, we see 90% of emotional eating just disappear. And so there is a component, there's 10% left where, people really are regulating their nervous system using sugar or food, or they're, um, trying to detach from their emotions or they're uncomfortable with their emotions and they're using food, but it's not as much as you think it is just because you're emotional and you're eating doesn't mean you're emotionally eating necessarily. You might just really be hungry or your body might be trying to play catch up from all the restriction that you've done, or you might feel so deprived or guilt and shame around food that you have an intense relationship with it. And when you sit down to actually eat that food, you know, you've lost, you've run out of willpower and you're sitting down, you do eat it with a certain frenetic energy. And part of that is that like last supper mindset of someday I'm going to have to get rid of this food. Someday I'm going to have to do something about this. Um, you know, some people are like, okay, I'll start over on Monday and this will, I will never do this again. Um, but that feeling of like, uh, intensity is so so high. And so we think it's emotional eating when in reality, it's these, this, these other two things you, you can't know that for sure. So I never with my clients, I never start with emotional eating. We always start with restrict, uh, addressing restriction and addressing, um, deprivation, just making Mm -hmm. sure that they are regulated in both of those areas. And then we can see what's left. Yeah, there's, I think there's, (laughs) I mean, there's a huge difference between, Oh, I'm emotionally overeating. It's like, Mm -hmm. but are you actually overeating? Because like, for me, I, the energy of when I'm eating. Right. So like when I'm, when I'm in a restriction, um, energy, 
of course, when I do eat, it's going to feel intense because right. whether or not it's, it's just a regular meal, it's, it's not overeating. It's not like 10,000 calories, you know, it's not a binge, mm -hmm. but when you restrict and you're in that mentality of scarcity and deprivation, when it is time to eat, um, I think it's natural to feel just that overwhelm because, mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm eating now. And even mm -hmm. though it, even though you might be just eating like a salad and, and, and you're eating whole foods and it's all healthy. And, you know, I, I like to say my orthorexic foods, mm -hmm. um, just to kind of like bring humor into it. Cause yeah, like I still have a layer of orthorexia and I'm still, mm -hmm. I'm still moving through that. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not ever saying to my listeners that I'm fully recovered ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I guess I can get into that a little bit later, but like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's this energy that you feel in when you're in that deprivation. And I think that's what people are thinking, oh, this is emotional eating because I feel so intense and out of control. But it's like, no, you're you're just eating now and it feels so crazy. Mm -hmm. Real quick, before I get deeper into this episode, I want to talk to you guys about my sponsor for this podcast, BetterHelp. You guys know how much I love therapy. I have been in therapy for several years, but I've been using BetterHelp for about three years. And I love my therapist. She's amazing. Uh, so I'm very happy that BetterHelp has, you know, sponsored this podcast. And out of all of my sponsors, I got to be real, BetterHelp is my favorite because I actually use them every day, every week. Um, I have a great relationship with just the experience and you know my therapist has helped me through so much the last couple years and better help is very very easy you don't have to do it um you don't have to do it you know you don't have to go to a, a freaking office you don't have to take a drive you don't have to take an uber or a lyft you can just do it from the privacy of your own home or wherever you're traveling you can do it video you can do um just an audio call if you're not comfortable doing video or you can do the messaging and you can also message your therapist whenever you need to. There's also a journal feature, which I love because journaling and typing all of that stuff out of your head is so helpful. Um, so join over 2 million people who are using BetterHelp. That is crazy. 2 million people. Um, it has helped me so much just having someone on your side and Having that outside perspective who is not going to judge you, um, they're not going to hold anything over your head, they don't know um, any anything, any secrets that you tell them, they're not going to ever hold that against you. And that's what I love about my therapist. I could tell her the worst things I've ever done and she's not going to to judge me. Um, she's been very helpful with everything that I've gone through with you know, the relationship with my mom and healing and, and everything like that. And she does EMDR. So you can find a therapist who matches your personal needs, whether it's addiction, uh, substance abuse, trauma, eating disorders, relationship issues. You can find the perfect therapist and you can change the therapist as many times as you need at no charge. And it's super easy to, to navigate the app. So all you're going to do is go to betterhelp.com slash vibe for a discount, and that will get you a nice discount on your first month of therapy. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash vibe. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash vibe 
for a 10% off discount your first month of online counseling. And I hope you do it because we all we all really need support. And if you haven't tried therapy yet, this is going to help you so much. Betterhelp.com slash vibe. Like think of it this way. This is how this is the best way that I know how to do how to explain this energy in current times. Everybody went through the COVID-19 pandemic where um you it's it's May of 2020 or sorry March of 2020 and everyone's posting pictures of empty toilet paper shelves at the grocery mm-hmm. store right <laughs> and so you weren't thinking about toilet paper up until that moment you had toilet paper somewhere in the house you knew you could go to the store and get it anytime you wanted and so you didn't think about it you see that blank shelf and all of a sudden you're like oh my god I need toilet paper and I have to go get toilet paper and you get desperate to have it. And it changes the relationship that you have with that toilet paper. Um, all of a sudden you're thinking about it a lot and you're obsessing over it and you go to the store and maybe you're like running past people in order to get the last one where you would never do that before. Scarcity makes you act different. It makes it makes the thing that you are focused on so much more intense when something is scarce, when you think, and you can make something scarce, um, by telling, even if you're giving yourself the thing, but if you're telling yourself like someday this is going away and I can't have this in the future, this is, this isn't, I shouldn't be doing this. If you're having guilt and shame over it, that's scarcity. If you are literally not allowing yourself that thing, that's scarcity. And so it, it's the same feeling and that's the intensity that's coming is that sense of this is special. This is, um, an event, you know, when I'm eating, And so that's, you know, that's what we're trying to get rid of. We're trying to get rid of that scarcity feeling and move into abundance. I can always eat when I want to, I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Um, And so now we've stocked the, (laughs) the, the toilet paper back on the shelf and it's always there and we, we don't think about it anymore. And so then the energy comes down. Hmm. And that um, I guess that shift in, in mindset of, okay, I'm allowed to eat when I want. I don't have to fast for however many hours. I don't have to restrict these foods. Um, That kind of frees up this space. And then I think, you know, when we, because you were talking about nervous system regulation. So like emotional regulation and nervous system regulation, when we get in these heightened states of like this inner chaos of food and, oh my God, and this is going to make me fat. And this is, this is, you know, I'm not allowed to eat this or should I eat this? And it's just so loud Mm -hmm. when we kind of take that heavy pressure off and, and give ourselves a little bit more permission. Cause some people are going to say, well, I can't give myself full permission to just Mm -hmm. eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Sometimes I think people get a little bit like, uh, defensive when people say that. And I'm, I think that's the camp that I'm in right now. I kind of, I think I need to take it slow and kind of find like a middle ground. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm allowed That's to how eat I did it when I'm hungry. Okay. Cause like, I think sometimes like, people are so black and white in this industry. It's, it's hard to like, just go from severe restriction, deprivation, scarcity, all these food rules to then just full permission. It just, it sometimes it just doesn't feel natural. So like, yeah. let's talk about that. Let's talk about the process of going because me and you relate from that severe restriction like it's easy for us you know um Mm -hmm. so let's talk about how 
the mindset shifts, little things. And um, I know that three, the three pillars that you and Tony talk about a lot are satiate, satisfy, and nourish. So like, let's talk about what that even means and Mm -hmm. permission and how to move through it. Yeah. Well, um, well, so I was just like you, Gab, that like the first time that, so we came across the idea of permission when Tony was healing from a binge eating disorder. And just so you guys know, like, I don't consider myself ever completely healed from this. I'm in recovery just as uh, like, um, I, and like, like everything that you just said, there's a new layer of recovery that I add every year. I get more clarity and I'm, I'm at a point now where I could never go back to where I was, but I do have, um, every so often I'll have, um, a little bitty, like sort of restrictive relapse, um, where yeah. like last year I was under like an intense amount of stress. And I, and, um, I talked about it openly on the podcast when it happened, but, um, it it just was a default that I didn't accidentally, but I sort of relapsed into that. So this has been, I am years into this practice now. And when Tony first tell me, told me about the idea of permission was when he was getting help for his binge eating disorder. And my reaction was anger. I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So now we're supposed to be unhealthy and we're just supposed to eat all this food. Like, do they want me to actually eat trans fat? Like that was our big thing at the time. Um, and I was angry and that's, that's just because I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand exactly what it meant. I didn't understand how this all worked. And it is a really complicated and really counterintuitive, uh, to diet culture concept that takes practice and understanding. And really you have to take this at your own pace and, um, and do it in your own time in your own way. So for me, it was just like a little bit at a time, but what I did, you know, looking back on my journey, I think I, um, I think that number one, the, the more you're able to, to give into the idea of permission, the faster you start to feel better. And number two, you 100% cannot do this work without also doing body image work and body embody embodiment work. So mm-hmm. there, those two have to go hand in hand. I've talked to a lot of clients over the years who had given up dieting, but had not done any work on devaluing, um, the, the, uh, what am I trying to say? It's not devaluing your body, but it's not having your value be solely in your body and what you look like. Um, it's and and being able to think of your body as, um, a place where you get to have an experience of life and get to experience the world, um, and to stop thinking about what people are, are seeing when they look at you and start thinking about what you're seeing from your body. So it's a shift in the way that you relate to it. It's a shift in that relationship too. Um, and that is absolutely a hundred, like, I will always say that's a hundred percent required and it's the hardest part. It's definitely the hardest part, but, um, permission is it can be confusing. Um, it's not, it does not equal eat everything you want just because you want it. It just means that you can. And so you're taking, you're stocking the toilet paper back. I sorry to keep using that (laughs) metaphor, but it's the one that makes the most sense to me. You're, you're, you're putting abundance back out there so that you can stop having that intense energy around food. 
And, you know, for somebody who's a restrictor, you're going, you know, your, your weight might, uh, increase if you've been somebody who's been, um, kind of unnaturally holding your weight down with restriction. But for most people, we see that their weight gets regulated. Um, they stabilize their weight for the first time. For me, I ended up at the place that I always ended up every time that I binge, like my weight ended up at that place. I was always like kind of um, restricting myself down to this one place. It was like my, what I would have called my, my dream body. And I could hold that onto that for like six weeks. And then I would binge and I would end up, um, back, you know, five, six, seven pounds. And that's where, when I let myself have permission and I, um, and I did that, that's where I ended up anyway. So it was just the exact same place. No, no more than that. Um, because mm-hmm. I started, I just regulated myself. Like I, I eat when I'm hungry. It's, it sounds so simple, but it's just like, I eat when I'm hungry. Food is no big deal. And, um, my body is not perfect by any means, but like, I don't think that we're supposed to have perfect bodies. I think that we're just supposed to live in our bodies and the, you know, those two things together has been so liberating and so freeing. And it's freed me up to, you know, do this podcast, start this business, be a better parent, have better relationships with my friends. Um, I'm sorry about that. And it's just been the most liberating decision that I've ever made. Yeah. You said it's, it sounds simple. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Like, And and that's what they say in meditation too. It's simple, but it's not easy. Um, Like it's, it's kind of like you have to kind of sculpt your mind out of what you've been and like be willing to like Mm -hmm. kind of shift your, your mentality a little bit, because like for people who are stuck in the binge restrict cycle, it's not fun. It's miserable. I lived in it for many, many years, Mm -hmm. um, especially when I was drinking and doing drugs. So mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it. And yeah. I was like, I felt out of control. I hated my body. I was a lot heavier than I am right now. And it was because of the drinking and the partying and the binging, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and my body was just so stressed. I mean, I was bartending, I was waitressing. So add all these layers of stress. Um, my adrenals were were shot. I was, I was just, you know, cortisol and and hormones play a big role into this too. I mm-hmm. think people need to also kind of remember that like, yeah, food is going to affect your body. Um, but even if you're eating super healthy and you're like binging on health foods and you're stressed out and your your life is just chaotic and you're drinking and partying or you're in a bad relationship, like the stress and the cortisol and the adrenal fatigue can also make you um, gain weight. And like when I was over exercising, I was actually like the heaviest weight of my life, which is really, yeah. um, interesting, you know, like I was over exercising, I was binging and purging. And this is when I was in my bulimia phase and I was the heaviest weight I'd ever been. And what's funny is that people thought I was totally normal and healthy and fine because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, I looked normal. I, I looked, I was just normal, healthy BMI, whatever, teaching yoga but little did people actually know I was, you know, binging and drinking and using the sauna way too much and running and grinding my body down. And what that resulted in was more binge restrict, 
inflammation, swelling, weight gain, hormones really messed up, thyroid really messed up. So I just want to, I just kind of like needed to, to take the little caveat there to remind people that if you are overdoing everything in your life and stressing your body out, um, it, it might just be natural that like the binge restrict is happening because overexercising will induce that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when your hormones are fucked up and your cortisol is fucked up and, you know, the, like that those body biology things are happening, it's going to trans transmute into the mind. So like, I love what you guys talk about too, about regulating the nervous system. Um, and I know that you've talked a lot about, um, some clients that you've had and how like in the moment of whatever they're labeling it, whether it's emotional eating or nighttime eating is a big one, like Mm -hmm. overeating at night. Sometimes what the, what they really need is rest and like Mm -hmm. something, the body and the nervous system needs something. And you're not right. saying don't eat. You're like right. you you're you're not saying don't eat and take a shower instead and go to bed. Like I think mm-hmm. <laughs> there's something like you've said um and in on our call too, we had a call and in many of your episodes you say, well maybe the body needs rest. And like I've been, you know, trying to find this middle ground of permission-based eating, especially like at night when my day is done and I'm just like yeah, it feels like I'm emotionally eating and boredom eating, but again, you're right. It's probably just my body's hungry, but mm-hmm. also I'm, I'm trying to find that middle ground of saying, okay, I'm allowed to eat more food. Doesn't matter what time it is. I'm not cutting myself off, but I'm, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to take like a little energy reset and I'm going to lay down and I'm going to scroll on my phone and I'm going to breathe. And then if I want to eat some more, I'm allowed. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, can we talk about that kind of permission based yeah. eating and then like the nervous system? Yes. I love it. It's well, and really what you're talking about, it, which is so great because I was literally right before our call, uh, putting together a presentation about unmet needs. And that's really what this is about. It's about yes, diet culture is all about slapping band-aids on things and not like, you know, your emotional eating. Great. You should go, like you were saying, go take a hot shower and go to bed. Go or, take a walk. You know, yeah. Go take a walk, drink some water, drink some tea. And well, at four in the morning, I'm not going to go for a walk, <laughs> you know? So exactly. And that it, you're not getting down to the root of the problem. And so that's, we, we want to have permission and permission is this great thing because it calms your brain down. So the energy isn't so chaotic anymore. And now you can actually start to investigate why am I doing this? What is the need here? And if I can meet that need directly, then I can, I don't have to eat, you know, like uh, there's nothing like we always say, there's nothing wrong with emotional eating. It's not good or bad. It's just that for some people, not everyone, but for some people, it's a maladaptive coping mechanism because they're creating a secondary problem. So, Mm -hmm. um, if you, okay, so hold on, I want you to kind of explain that real quick before we go into what the needs could be creating a secondary problem. So what you're saying is when you are if the person's binging or if the person is indeed overeating and it's not because they're just hungry because they've been starving themselves all day. Right. Um, like if it indeed is a binge and an overeating episode or emotional eating episode, um, 
the secondary problem is that they're going to feel like shit after that eating episode. Mm -hmm. And that's going to create probably some bodily sensations, maybe um, digestional distress, maybe swelling. I know when I used to binge quote unquote on like all the healthy foods, I would get extreme gas, extreme bloating, yeah. burping, um, because I was eating so much fiber, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. and so like, like entire containers of hummus, which is like a lot of, first of all, yeah. it is a lot of calories, to be honest, it's a lot of carbs and it's a lot of fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course I felt like shit, you know, or people binging on an entire b- bottle of, or jar of like peanut butter. You know, I remember in high school, um, that I would binge on peanut butter. And I remember the next day I had this extreme body reaction, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I remember that. I remember those days too. And yeah, that's exactly what a secondary, I mean, so there's, there can be a lot of secondary problems that are created when you're emotionally eating. Um, and it's this, it's the same thing. Number one, as if you're, if you're using anything to not feel, or to run away from your problems or to numb out is that you're missing the opportunity to meet your need. And that, you know, need is not going to go away just because you ignore it. So that's number one, you're missing the opportunity to process your feelings. You're missing the opportunity to, um, get down to the heart of what's really going on. And the, and, and then again, you cre- can create these physical issues where you, you feel terrible and you feel worse than before, just on a physical level. And, you know, you could be creating a health problem. If somebody is emotionally eating like a lot of food every single night for like Tony was, you know, where he was eating so much every single night and creating a health issue, then that's a secondary problem. So as somebody like, like now I do still emotionally eat it. It still happens. I did it today actually. Cause I was like, I need a break and I need it to be food. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. like, fine. And I always give myself permission to do that because it's uh, like me having one day where I emotionally eat is not creating a secondary problem for me. Um, It was just a moment, but if it's not, uh, we always say it's not a problem until it's a problem. So um, if it is a problem, it's causing that secondary problem. Then that's at the point where you want to, you're always in permission because that keeps you calm and rational about it. You're never judging yourself. You're just looking through the lens of curiosity and you know, that I, I want to be able to look at this and see, is there a need here that I am not meeting? Is there something that I could be giving myself? And what's amazing about this is that the minute you actually meet that need, the drive to eat disappears. And that's how you know that you, that you met the need (laughs) in a way that's adaptive. And it's in a way that is, um, getting directly to the heart of what was going on in the first place. Yeah. So like, um, also I want to say, cause yeah, what you're saying is like, yeah, there, there might be a, a health problem. There might be a physical problem that that's a secondary problem from the binging or whatever. And then mm-hmm. if, if you are experiencing like this despair and this, this emotional reaction of just complete depression and anxiety and panic, then that's mm-hmm. a whole other secondary problem too. So mm-hmm. like, I, I know, um, so let's like kind of break down like what some of these neat unmet needs could be. Cause I, I know on your podcast, you guys have talked, um, about like 
needing relief or mm-hmm. rest or relaxation. I, ha- I have um, expression and creativity written down here and connection. So like, I mean, those are, those are big. And I, I feel like those can be such uh, like fluffy words in that like self-development world. Yeah. Like, oh, I need some connection. I need, I need creativity. But like, let's kind of break down what these unmet needs truly are. And if it's physical or what we could do, what brings relief, you know, like, let's kind of break it down. Okay. And here's the thing that I'm just going to say, like, these sound so simple. And when I tell my clients, like, go try this thing and, and me too, like when I first heard these things, like I had a therapist once, um, I was, we were talking about self-soothing and she was like, hug a pillow. And I was like, Okay. You know, I was like, oh yeah, sure. And then, you know, in my head, I'm thinking that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm never going to try that. Um, and so I went home and I like was having a moment. And so I tried it and it freaking worked. I mean, it worked so fast. And I was like, this is, this is insane. And it's also revolutionary, but these things sound really, really, really simple. And it, the problem with it sounding so simple is that in the moment you're going to think there is no way that this is going to meet this need. There is no way that this is going to be better than food or alcohol or whatever, whatever your, your choice is. Um, but it really, you have to try it. And the reason that we say to stay in permission, it's like, first I will try this thing and then I will eat the food if it doesn't work because it gives you a better, it lowers the barrier to entry to give you a better chance of doing it. So Mm-hmm. Some of the needs are one of the big ones that we see a lot of is autonomy because, you know, a lot of us go and we work for a boss all day, or we have kids or we have both and we're giving and giving and giving to ourselves. We're doing what everybody else wants all day long. And then we come home and eating is the only autonomy we have. We get to pick exactly what we want. It feels like a, a little slice of freedom. That's literally what I did today when I went and got the cookie. I was like, I'm going to go like do what I want for five seconds. Um, so autonomy is a big one. Um, just finding some sort of freedom in your day. And so we encourage our clients to carve out at least an hour where they're doing exactly what they want to be doing every single day. So reading a book and a lot of people like come home and they sit down with their partner and they do what their partner wants to do for the rest of the night, or they spend the night with their, their kids. And I would just say to carve some time in there for just you so that you feel autonomous. Um, so autonomy and freedom, it's a big one connection, just feeling like you have somebody who cares about you and is thinking about you and that you can connect with them. Um, last night, me and my two best friends, um, we watched the new John Mulaney, uh, special that's out on Netflix and we texted the whole time and connected over that and just felt amazing. And I forgot about food like all night long. I didn't even think about the fact I, I we stopped and I was like, Oh God, I'm actually hungry. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's what happens when you meet the need. It just, it goes away. Um, you know, there's the physical, the hyper fixation on the food yes. lowers because you're not so like you're actually doing something that is you're enjoying and that is nourishing you like on like an energy level. So yes. you're, you're not, you're not like so hyper fixated. Cause that's what, that's what I do is I'll, I'll get hyper fixated on food and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why am I like, 
why mm-hmm. is it 2 p.m. and I'm planning my like I, there's nothing wrong with it but for me hyper fixating and planning ahead like there's a fine line between like it being healthy and like being too much yeah you it know like exhausting. I'm Right. Like, oh my God, I can eat this, or I'm going to make this recipe that I saw on Instagram, or I'm going to make this bullshit, you know, sugar-free keto thing that, I, you know, it's <laughs> like, okay, hold on. Can you just like think about that later when it's time to eat? Because chances are later on when it is time to eat, I'm not even going to want that. <laughs> like mm-hmm, right. it's just like a craving in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So we can use that as um, a way to distract ourselves. So it's, and I love the word nourishing because I think that's so important is, you know, we're nourishing ourselves. It, that looks very middle of the road. It's like, you are thinking about what you're going to eat to a degree and you're planning what you're going to eat to a degree, but you're not over, you're not hyper fixating on it either. It's the middle. Um, yeah. and that's like the best, that's how, you know, you're kind of on the right track. So but, um, other unmet, unmet needs, it's like physical, you, we need sleep. A lot of the times we see our clients eating and, um, they're actually tired. I had a woman who, um, I had her, she was coming home and grabbing chips the minute she got home from work and she would eat an entire bag of chips every day. And I asked her to just try, like, I was like, what's really going on in that moment? What's the need? And she was like, I'm tired. So she, mm-hmm. um, she made herself just one time. That was her deal with herself. Just one time I'll go up and lay down and relax in bed. And the need for the chips went away instantly. The minute she laid down and relaxed and she stopped, like it was enough for her to wake her up out of that. And she never came home and got the chips again. Um, and that was a, a huge epiphany for her. She just needed to rest and we fight these things so much. And I'm not really sure why we do. We get kind of tangled up in our own thoughts and we find these ways of coping, uh, to meet these needs and without really, you know, we're just kind of shooting in the dark and coming up with these things. And we don't know any other way. We've never really thought about it, but really that's what it comes down to is just figuring these things out, water, sunshine, nature. It's very, very simple connection, um, autonomy, freedom, a sense of freedom, relief, crying, breathing. Yeah. Crying, letting it out. Um, like releasing anger. Yes. Um, like primal scream into a pillow. That's something I do all the time. It's in a, it's an incredible release. Yeah. I think release like, cause the emotional unmet needs, mm-hmm. um, that can be a, it could be anything. It could be, I haven't cried in a week or I haven't, yeah. you know, like screaming in a pillow, like punching your mattress like these things yeah. sound crazy but like it 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 unlocks chakras it unlocks stuck energy yes. it, it, especially if you're trying to heal trauma like i talk yes. a, a lot about healing trauma and burnout um right now on my podcast cuz that's what i'm going through and it's like when you know when you're not giving yourself permission if you want to talk about permission to release the emotional stuff then of course it's going to, that energy is going to be used towards something else. It's going to, if you're not releasing your anger and your frustration and, and crying and whatever, then that energy is going to be used towards maybe that frantic energy with food or Mm -hmm. over-exercising, you know, and over-exercising is not going to give you the same release as doing some other things. 
eating, you know, like, just like you said, there's nothing wrong with eating if Mm -hmm. when you're emotional sometimes, but that kind of only fuels the fire of like overwhelm and like discomfort. Um, I know like, yeah, like laying down and resting and taking a shower. Mm -hmm. So simple. And Mm -hmm. for a while I wasn't doing those things at night. And Mm -hmm. now when I'm like feeling that intensity around food and what am I going to eat, whatever, I'll either go on on my patio and lay down on my, my little chair there and just breathe and listen to, to a podcast or something. And just being outside is that reset that I need. And then sometimes yeah. I need, um, I need to just like lay on the ground and put my legs up because like putting your legs up, um, like legs up the wall pose as, um, like in yoga, it, yes. it really does do something for the nervous system. And like, mm-hmm. I have like, I'll just, when I get that, that chaotic, intense energy, I'm like, okay, I just put a bunch of pillows down on my floor. There's always pillows on my floor so that I can just easily lay down and put my legs up. And I have, um, one of those like massage guns and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to use this massage gun for 15 minutes and then I'm going to see how I feel. Um, Love it. and, or, you know, doing the shower thing. It's just, there's something about just taking that break, hitting the reset button for your energy and, or, Hey, I'm going to go run this errand or, you know, mm-hmm. something so stupid. Like I'm going to go check my mail and then just that kind of hits the reset. Like it's just yeah. these, these little things. It just get out of your environment that, that is making you feel so crazy around the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's a state and, change. Yeah. 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 It's totally a state change. And it, and we think that we're stuck in the state that we're in so many of the times. And sometimes it's called behavior activation. We use it all the time in our program. Um, but it's a therapy, uh, model where you're actually, you're not waiting to feel better. You're taking action and then feeling better. And it's hard to do because it requires you to do something when you don't want to do it. But if you can flex that muscle enough and practice that enough times, it's magical. You can completely change the way you feel. You can completely change your state away from feeling chaotic and hyper-focused. Um, I use it. My son is autistic. He's nine. And we use it all the time for him when he's in a, when he gets stuck sometimes like in a loop. Um, yeah, and a lot yeah. of times that looks like anger or stemming or something. And so we know that we change a state through humor or we make him laugh real suddenly, or we'll take him outside. I always walk him to school before school because it calms him down before he walks in the building. It's magical. Mm-hmm. It really yeah, is. And it's, it's like, um, you need to physically remove yourself from whatever it is in front of you. Like whether you're in that emotional eating episode phase, it's like, okay, hold on. I'm going to just take a break. Not saying I have to stop right now. I can keep eating if I want, but I'm going to go take a break. And I, I, (laughs) I, um, I don't know if, if you watch friends, but like, uh, like the episode where they're moving the couch and he's like, pivot, pivot. (laughs) So like the word pivot, I don't know. Like that's like, whenever I write down the word pivot in like a note or like my journal entry, (laughs) I, I think about that. But that's the word. It's like when you're stuck and you're tangled in that, I'm just like eating and I can't stop or, you know, I'm whatever. It's like pivot, you know, just, mm-hmm. just pivot for a moment, go do something else, go nourish yes. your body and your energy in some other way. 
And then after that thing that you do, go ahead and go eat some more. But chances are your energy is going to be different and your cravings might be different and what you want to nourish yourself with might be different because mm-hmm. you just took that little break. Yeah. It's the, the mantra that we use in our program is how I feel now is not how I will feel after. And that's mm-hmm. like what I repeat to myself over and over and over again in that moment where I don't want to, I don't, you know, I want to sit in it. <laughs> like, I think a lot of the times we just kind of want to sit in it. Um, and we don't want to do the thing that, that we, that is supposedly going to make us feel better. And it seems too simple. It seems like it's, there's no way it's going to work. Um, but that's, if you can say that to yourself and realize like how I feel right now is not how I will feel after I do this. It's always true always. And you can see that happen over and over again and kind of rely on that, uh, the next time that you're able to, to change your state and get out of that. Yeah. And sometimes like it can be this, the most simple and basic things, but there's so much resistance to doing it. Like, like for me, when I'm caught up in that, in that yeah. stuck tangled energy, it's like, why am I resisting laying down on my floor with comfy mm-hmm. pillows? Like, why? Like, what am I actually resisting? Am I resisting um, because this food tastes so good? Like, okay, that's, you know, that's, that's valid. Mm -hmm, Or am I resisting mm -hmm. because um, I'm so hungry? That's valid too. Um, Or am I just resisting because I feel like when I lay down, I'm going to feel this wave of depression or anxiety or, you know, I don't know. It's just, there is a lot of resistance around doing this, the most basic, simple things and food is such an easy thing that is so available. And, you know, it's well, just, go ahead. You've been, when you've been coping with some, with pain and stress and anything, when you've been coping with it your whole life, doing it one way, that is like a, a really deep groove in your brain, you know, and yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to change. It's hard to change. It, it takes, takes repetition. Time. It takes time. It takes patience. Sometimes it takes support, um, and immersion. Definitely. It takes immersion and just reminding yourself, but it it's when it's been your, your safety for so long, it's hard to let go of that because it, you know, it made you feel safe for a reason. It made you feel like you were in control for a long time. And, you know, it's hard to, to release that. Yeah. So that's, Um, you know, where a lot of that resistance comes from. Right. Because we're just so used to being in in that, that it's like anything other than that feels like it's hard, but it's like, oh shit, like actually laying down on my pillows and putting my legs up and using my massage gun, it's Mm -hmm. different than what I'm, than what I've been doing. So it feels very, challenging, but it's actually really enjoyable, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And when you can notice the enjoyment part and you just keep reminding yourself this, like afterwards, I'm always glad I did it afterwards. I'm always glad I did it. And you can, that can be kind of the thing that you repeat to yourself over and over again. It does get easier after time. And yeah, as someone, cause you have ADHD as well. And as someone who has ADHD, um, leaving myself notes is really something I've been leaning on, like, like writing that down, like what you just said, um, after I do the thing, I'll I'll feel better. Like just writing it down. Um, I have Sharpies and stuff lying around and just plain white paper, just Mm -hmm. writing down these like little mental shifts and just, just, just writing it down kind of like reinforces it some, somehow like energetically. I don't know. Um, I agree. 
and like just just writing down things in general like in a journal or paper or a sticky note it actually has been proven to help like change our habits and behaviors like I have the the daily stoic journal and like Mm -hmm. in it's like a book that um Ryan Holiday it's like a journal every day yeah um but he he says like the 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 stoics wrote down notes physically all day long because it helped them reinforce what they were trying to accomplish and what they were trying to do and it helped them actually get shit done and like be these stoics that they were like it you know it kind of makes sense like they were like these thought leaders and inventors and stuff and they wrote down notes all day long to help them yeah and that's I mean for somebody like you and I with ADHD like my notepad is my executive functioning system like I don't have a good one in my brain so I have to outsource it to a notepad and a sticky so I have I'm like you I have I have to write down everything in order to remember it and in order to process things I write it down and I write um, I talk about it a lot. Like this is so, I can't tell you how helpful it is to me to have conversations around these things and to talk about it on the podcast, to teach, to coach, um, that reinforces it to me all the time. I always say like my teaching and helping other others with this has been the greatest help to myself when it comes to these things, because it's, you're, you're constantly repeating it and that's how you change. Yeah. And you're getting it out of your mind and body um, into another form. And that's, and that's why I like therapy so much too, because it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my thoughts and like the, all the, the loudness and craziness that's happening in my mind. And it's actually like, I'm physically making something out of it because like speaking and verbalizing things is a form of expression and art and yes, um, creativity actually like going to therapy is a form of art and creativity because you're you're literally forming your experience into words i people who have podcasts it's a form of art it's a media you know and i think people don't realize that well i'm not an artist i'm not creative well going to a support group and talking about your emotions is definitely a form of expression and that's what art is Mm, that's beautiful i love that I've never thought of it that way, but you're right. And I think that there's so much um, value in like when something is stuck in your head, like you're saying, it's scary and you're not looking at it. You are it. And when you can get it out of your brain and just onto paper or at someone else and you say it out loud, you can process it. You can see it for what it is, which is not so scary. It's just a thought. And Mm -hmm. you can have that separation from it. And then you can kind of feel what to do. It's so hard to do that when your brain is full of those, of those thoughts and that energy. So, um, yeah. And when you do, like when you do write down that note, or you do do that thing that gets your, uh, your thoughts out of your body and your mind, you're actually meeting one of your unmet needs. It could be relief or release. And that, that is meeting your unmet need. And that is going to reflect in how you are with the food. (laughs) Yes. It's so true. And that's one of the reasons why we have our clients, uh, journaling is a big thing and with us, and it's, it's not like structured or anything. It's just brain dump, get it out of your head and see what's going on up there so that you can reflect on it. 
Yeah. Brain dump. That's what I do whenever I journal. And that's uh, honestly, um, Julia Cameron's book, the artist way, her yes. morning pages thing. Yeah. Um, I, I that for a while. you know, that's basically what it is. It's a brain dump. It's not supposed to mean anything. It's just get your shit out of your brain and let's, you feel that, that energy release and relief and you feel lighter just from doing right. that. And, and again, that's, that's going like little, little small habits like that daily that's Mm -hmm. why the stoics just to bring it back to that real quick is like that's why they were so um submerged in the the daily practice of of writing um notes Mm -hmm. and journaling Mm -hmm. because it it was such a it's such a powerful thing to actually put things in motion I guess you know yeah wow definitely so it's so interesting how all this can really, really connect to the binge restrict and just food and body. And it's just, it's so much deeper. And that's why I wanted to have you on because it's so much deeper than the bullshit that I'm seeing on Instagram and YouTube about emotional eating and food addiction and just take it all out and be carnivore. And and then all your problems will be solved. Right. (laughs) I mean, it fucking drives me insane. And that's why I wanted to have you on because I knew that we were going to talk about the real shit that matters, emotions, nervous system, what's really happening. It's -hmm. just so much deeper than that. I think everybody needs to take what they're hearing about like diet and food and like, okay, yeah, that's one part of it, but just take everything with a grain of salt and know that it's deeper than that. And the people who are preaching on YouTube that all your cravings will go away. If you just take out all the sugar and you just go carnivore, like, no, like, please don't, <laughs> don't listen to those people. Yeah. They, I mean, it, that sounds so simple and easy, which is why, <laughs> you know, people are drawn to it because it just sounds so it's so they simplify it, but I've, you know, the 99.9% of my clients are people who have just come off of those kinds of, of diets and those kinds of things. So, right. And they're, they're struggling and they feel like failures because they couldn't follow it. And it's, it's so much, I mean, it's so much deeper than that. And it's also, it doesn't have to be so fucking difficult either. It doesn't have to be so like, you can never have, you know, a, a, any sugar ever again. It does not need to be that way. It's, it's, you very can find simple. like, yeah, a middle ground. Yes. And that's it doesn't where have to the, be so cut and dry. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it can be nuanced. It is nuanced and it's so personal to you, which I know sounds scary to somebody who feels like they don't know how to feed themselves and they don't know how to be healthy or what to do. Um, but it's way easier than going through the binge restrict cycle and the yo-yo diet cycle for decade upon decade upon decade. So yeah. Doing the work around emotions. Let's just leave everybody with this doing the work around emotions, listening to podcasts like fitness and sushi. I mean, I I'm not even just like, like saying that, like I literally, that's how I found you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so it helped me so much that I reached out to you. Um, when I find something that helps me, I'm like, okay, I need to reach out to this person or I just need to, you know, um, like just the simple basic things of focusing on nervous system and body and taking the proper supplements and what you guys promote is satiate, satisfy and nourish, you know, find Mm -hmm. foods that satiate you on like a physical level that satisfy you on an emotional level and maybe energy level and, um, and then nourish you like that. We like we talked about in this conversation. It could be 
emotional nourishment, physical nourishment, um, finding your unmet needs. So for anyone who is listening, who wants to listen to to more about this, go listen to Fitness and Sushi. And um, hopefully I'll have Deanna back on the podcast as well to talk more about this. I would love that, Gab. And um, so your your podcast is Fitness and Sushi, and then your Instagram is the same, I'm assuming. No, it's uh, at Deanna Schober. I'm not very active on I had to leave uh, social media just because it was it was hard, it was too difficult for my mental health. So uh, there you. is yeah, there's a there is an Instagram profile there that you can go look at what I have put out because there's definitely plenty there. So that's at Deanna Schober. Our website is builtdaily.com and we've got lots of ways that you can connect with us there, um, including having a free call with us. Um but in yeah. we're on Facebook too. That's where we do the most of our, the most of our stuff is on Facebook. Cool. And it's a really, you know, for all the guys who are listening to, like, it's just, it's really cool that you, you and Tony, you, obviously you have a really fun dynamic and it's easy to listen to. You just kind of feel like you're hanging out with you guys. And it's Thank not you. like, it's not heavy. Like you guys are just talking about stuff, like from a real perspective and talking about, the nitty gritty and it's just, it's refreshing, you know? And I, when I find a podcast that I like, I'm very particular. And when my brain gets going, it's, it really does mean something. So I'm really grateful that you came on the podcast and we were able to, to talk about this. It's really important that people are getting this information and not taking what people are saying about just, you know, like, again, take out all these foods and all your problems will be solved. Like, no people, let's, let's, let's get a little bit deeper. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much again for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too.